On this episode of Inch Relations, Rob and I wrap up 2022 as Rob and I only can. Let's go. This is Industry Relations, a podcast that's at the intersection of real estate and technology from an insider's perspective with Rob Hahn and Greg Robertson. Hey, everybody. I'm so happy to announce our newest sponsor, Rentspree. Rentspree is LA-based and is a provider of award-winning rental software that helps real estate agents, owners, and renters to simplify and automate the entire real estate rental process. From listing to lease, these guys have got it figured out. With nationwide coverage, Rentspree is an all-in-one platform is known for its easy and secure interface and suite of rental tools, including tenant screening, rent payments, marketing, and renter management. To date, Rentspree has partnered with over 250 of the most influential MLSs, associations, and brokerages, and they have over 1 million users throughout the U.S. That's great. In fact, they just announced a deal with the Miami Association of Realtors. This brings their agent count in Florida to over 120,000 agents with over 600,000 total in the U.S. that is able to access Rentspree through their MLS or association. Rentspree is ranked 625th on the latest Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies list in 2022. Also, check out the show notes uh, for rentspree.com. They just issued a white paper that talks about the opportunities that agents can have by incorporating rentals in their business model. I've written a lot about this. I think it's a great strategy. So please visit rentspree.com to download that white paper. Thank you, Michael, and the entire Rentspree team for sponsoring Industry Relations. Rob and I really do appreciate it. So go visit Rentspree.com today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Industry Relations podcast uh, with Rob and Greg. This is the Notorious Rob. And with me, as always, is the fabulous Greg Robertson. (laughs) Hola, Rob. How are you? Hola. How are you? Well, I've got a bit of a, a, a you know a creaky voice here, but uh, we're going to get through this, I'm sure. Uh, you know, too, too much drinking, I would imagine. Uh, you know, yeah. eggnog could help. We had a uh, holiday. We had a, a, a party at our house uh, last Saturday, and I was I, I overserved myself. And then the next day, we went to the football game, and uh, yeah, it was. I'm I'm still I'm just not as young as I used to be, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what's you know like my theme song is uh what's that song? Not as good as I once was, right? Yeah, yeah. About- Toby Keith, baby. Mm. But I was once as good as I ever was. <laughs> so um, I know we kind of you know did a little bit of this last week with uh, with our friends Joe and Greg Fisher, uh, which was awesome. It was fun, and yeah, I can see. I mean, it's been getting great reviews on Twitter and stuff. Yeah. So, uh- it's, yeah. it's great to see the shout outs from Jay Thompson and some others yep. out there that they enjoyed the show. So that was, that yep. was good. And getting feedback on our predictions, that was great also. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, I figured this is, we're recording this on Friday before Christmas. And I think chances are next week we're probably not recording one just because it's like oh, New Year's right. Eve or something. Yep. I can't even remember. Uh, so this really should be our, um, our, Year end review. Of, yeah, it's our 2022 wrap up. Yeah, for sure. That's right. Well, what a hellacious, crazy year. Uh, and, oh, you know, God. we've talked about a couple of them already, but I figured it's just the two of us, baby. So let's talk about the year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I always wonder. It's like, and, you know, you and I have been, you know, writing about the industry for quite a long time. I've had my yeah. blog out for 15 years. And, you know, being these kind of pundits of the industry. And it just never gets dull, all the things that happen. Um, and I just, every year seems to, s- some sort of drama from oh, of going all the way back to like, you know, the Lions over the Hill to syndication. Remember, that was the biggest goddamn oh, thing. Oh, man. Yeah. Or Zillow. I mean, it's just, it's just every year something comes up. So it's just, it's, I, I just wonder. And it's, you know, here we are. Um, it- it, now here's what I'll do for you. Like I feel like there's stretches where things are dull. I don't know when, when was the last dull period we had. Jesus, I don't know, man. Like I went almost two months without writing because there was nothing I felt like worth writing about. Mm. Uh, but then when you look at the whole year, it's like, oh my god, all this stuff happened. You know what I mean? So you're right. If you look at it over a you know one year time frame, then this industry is just like this happened, that happened. Holy crap! Can you believe this? But there are some weeks where it just goes and it feels like the only news is some executive appointment and, you know, like just 
some article on Inman about 19 different ways to use TikTok to sell real estate. It's something crazy like that. You know, it's like, ugh. right. Right. But then when stuff happens, like, hey, Open Door lost a billion dollars in a quarter. <laughs> like, oh, man. You know, oh, CoStar BP. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, every year it is kind of nuts. Um, and yet every year it still remains, you know, more or less as it was. Right? It's a remarkably stable industry in a way. Well, so. yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess, you know, maybe maybe it's a little bit of like, we think all this big change is going to happen and we're all hyping the hell out of it. And it doesn't. At the end of the day, it's, it, it has to do with Brenda and Marge, right? I mean, that's right. They're just, you know, they keep every year more people use real estate agents more than ever, despite all our pontifications about, you know, doom and gloom or change and disruption and everything else. So it, it yeah, you're, you're right on that, that standpoint. I mean, I, right. will it ever happen? Who knows? I mean, good Lord. <laughs> So let's get into it, Greg. Uh, I know we already did this in the earlier, but, you know. Well, you know, I think what we should start out with is that, um, you know, recent news is that the Spitzer case has been delayed, right? Is that is that yeah. what you read? Yeah. So that that's kind of a drag, I think, because, you know, I think we are all looking forward to February where some of the stuff would shake out. And we were thinking yeah. that a lot of the other lawsuits were going to wait for that to happen also. Yeah. Yeah. So... You know, it's just kind of a drag to see this one. And they didn't even give a date. No, they did. It was October. October. Okay. Yeah. Well, Jesus. I mean, that's that's a whole 2023 not something happening. Right? So that, that's 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 going to be... Yeah. And do you think that the other cases will go forward now and not yeah. wait for that or, or, or what? Well, so a couple of things, right? I, I don't think we're going to... So keep in mind, I wrote a couple of posts on this, right? About the impact of Sitzer, you know, now called Burnett. But um, one of my big things was, look, the minute that case gets decided, because I'm pretty certain that NAR is going to lose at, at trial, just at trial. Um, they could win an appeal, but I think at trial, they're going to lose. Um, my thing is, like, the minute that happens, we're just going to have, like, the plaintiff's bar coming out of the woodwork. You know, because they, they're going to see easy money. You know what I mean? Like, this always happens. When there's a lawsuit that's been decided, then it's like, okay, let's let's go after it, you know? So that's, I think, going to get delayed until probably November, you know, December of this year, and then maybe into early next year, because you got to take some time to prep, right? Um, I, thing is... I, first of all, I, I disagree that they're going to lose a trial. I, I don't think so at all. But uh, oh, it's just you and me. Oh, let's get into it, man. They're utterly gonna lose. They're gonna get no crushed. Way. No way. No way. How do you how do you think they win? You know, I, I go back to this. You know, this stat and maybe personal experience or whatever you want to call it. Of, um, you know, what is it like? Ninety percent of consumers when they're polled, they would, you know, uh, go use the same realtor again. They had a, a great experience with that realtor, right? So, I think in, in any transaction, there's a moment where, you know. Not everyone, but I mean, a lot of them were that realtor came through to make something happen and, you know, made it, made it worth their time. Right. Um, I, I, I mean, I'll give an example. I mean, in our, and this is a little bit weird, but in our, our own transaction, as far as when we sold WNR, um, we'd hired investment bankers and, you know, they didn't really hope. I mean, I was, you know, we were kind of like, they really kind of go, they're not really hired to go out there and shake the trees and stuff. They're just, they're more than negotiating. They're, they're, when, when things are getting, you know, bad, they're supposed to help out. And there was a moment where we just kind of walked away and then these guys showed up, right? And, and, and then they made, uh, they earned their freaking fee at that point. And I think in any sorts of transactions, there's that moment where things are about to fall apart and yet, that person's experience connects or whatever you want to call it, bring it all together. I think there's enough stories out there. I think that there's enough people or, or situations that NAR could bring to, to that trial to show, you know, that value being there. I mean, my own opinion, but I, it's, 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 it's an opinion. <laughs> so let me get this straight. So let's take this investment banking thing. You know, as an example, right? So you had a wonderful experience with your investment bankers. You feel like they earned their fee, et cetera. Okay. Then you find out that they had to take half their fee and give it to somebody else because of some 
trade organization's rule, right? I don't, I don't even know. It doesn't really work for investment banking because their trade organization is FINRA, you know, so it's a government agency. But you know, I, just saying, right? Again, I'm not, I'm not equating the exact the structure of commission to anything. I'm just talking about. I have a representative, right? Sure. And you know, while maybe they didn't help me find the home, while they didn't help me, you know, whatever, there was a point there. It was like, okay, this this guy earned. But I, see, that's why I'm disagreeing. Right. Well, my point is those agents are not on trial here. Right. The agents are not on trial. So, so the plaintiffs don't have to get up and be like, all those agents that helped you buy a house or sell your house that, you know, you know, you know, we're not saying they're bad guys. We're not saying they're criminals. What we're saying is they're victims just like you of this criminal enterprise by NAR and these corporate defendants. Well, that's, that's, the, way that, that's the way that the plaintiffs are going to frame it. But of course, they're smart. They're going to bring it back to the human side of things and, 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 and what that what that is. Right. I mean, they're not going to let it be framed like that. <laughs> okay. You're, okay. All right. Look, so basically your point is. These six regular American jury members, it's a jury trial, right? They're going to be on the stand. The plaintiffs are like, listen, you, I know you love your realtor. I love my realtor too, and they're great. But fact is they were forced to overcharge. Not for their work, by the way. They were forced to overcharge you so they could pay the crappy agent on the other side who didn't do anything. Well, I mean, that's going to be there. I mean, again, you're... You, <laughs> If I, you know, if, if NAR just rolls over and lets that argument and that narrative, you know, go through go through trial, then they deserve to lose. But I I think they're going to create their own narrative, and I think they're going to have a a strong case. I mean, but what's the narrative? You know, despite the way you know, I think if they if they tap into like the experiences that maybe hopefully positive experiences that people had, um, and by jury selections, I'm sure they're going to try to find. I think they're going to tap, you know, get away from the, this kind of structure into, okay, yeah, whatever how people are paid, but you know, th this other agent just didn't do nothing, as you said, right? I mean, there there is value in all that is, and maybe, you know, maybe yeah. The, the, but Greg, the problem is if you say, hey, it's not that the other agent didn't do anything; the other agent provided a lot of value. Then the problem becomes, if that's the case, NAR, why the hell did you have all these rules? But again, look, you know, you want to go in the nuance and you want to say... No, I want to go in the law. The law says, hey, NAR and these defendants, you conspired, right, to create these rules that screwed consumers. Right. I mean, again, that's going to be their argument. That of course. going to have another argument against it. And, you know, they're going to, I think, leverage the fact that most people were happy with their real estate agents and, you know, and, and frame it that way. Oh, okay. We'll see. I mean, you know, we'll see. You want to, you want to do a steak dinner on this? We can do a steak dinner. Sure. Well, I mean, sure. Because okay. <laughs> when they win, you might be the only one left with any money to buy steak dinners. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, I, I didn't. Anyway, derail that with our our year in review, but I mean. Oh no! People people like it when mommy and daddy fight, so it's all good. <laughs> all right. So. Uh, I can't remember how this began. The I think you were talking about the, things do change because this. Oh yeah, the delay to October. So yeah, I, my expectation is. Oh yeah, that's what it was. What about the other lawsuits? The thing is, like MLS. So Merle versus NAR is that's unaffected by this as yet. All right, I was kind of predicting that Merle and Burnett would get merged. It hasn't happened, so it's possible that happens. Um, in Burnett itself, it's not like they're just delaying it for the sake of delaying it. There is a very important thing that is going to happen in between, which is the Court of Appeals has to hear this thing from, I think it's Home Services. It might be Realogy. Right, right, right. Saying, uh, why are we at trial? There should be arbitration, right? Uh, the trial court was like, no, this has nothing to do with arbitration. This has to do with, it's an antitrust case against you all as a conspiracy, not against the commission, et cetera. But the Eighth Circuit might take a different stance, right? right. So that's something that might happen. Um, so we'll, we'll find out what the circuit court says about that. Um, one of the interesting and important things I think in that is going to be, just like happened with PLS versus NAR, I think it's not the decision of the circuit court, I think that's going to be as important as versus what the Court of Appeals says in justifying their decision, if that makes sense. 
right? In other words, the Court of Appeals and PLS reversed that, right? And then gave, you know, threw it back to the trial court. It's like, no, no, this court case can't be dismissed. Go retry this case, um, which was a, a shocking outcome. But to me, what was more interesting was what the Court of Appeals said about the facts and about the case when they threw it back. Because what it, what it showed me, what it said to me, and again, this is just my opinion, it really felt like the Court of Appeals was very strongly taking the plaintiff's side, very strongly taking PLS's side. Right, which could be important. So we'll see what the, I think it's the Eighth Circuit in uh, Missouri. We'll see what that Court of Appeals says by October because they'll, they'll have made that decision right, right. long before October so that, you know, the trial can come, can uh, recommence. Um, there's a case that we don't talk about. I haven't read a whole lot about it, but fact is MLS Penn in Massachusetts getting sued on the sim very similar grounds. So that case is unaffected. That will continue to go forward. Uh, and who knows, something new could get filed between now and then, right? Like all of the broker-owned MLSs aren't part of any of this, and it's because they're not part of the NAR. But if MLS pin's going to get sued on the similar grounds, like you guys created this conspiracy and these rules to you know char overcharge people, then clearly someone's, someone's going to be able to bring that lawsuit against Northwest. Someone will be able to bring that charge against FMLS, against other broker-owns. So... I, would ex I wouldn't be surprised if we see lawsuits like that, depending on what happens to Penn. Um, yeah, you know, it's, Rex. It's a bummer. Again, I, I you know, it was going to be in it, this first one we talked about was going to be in February, mm -hmm, and right. you know, we would probably see something. You know, a few months there, maybe before the summer. Yeah. What I worry about is like in this vacuum. It's just uncertainty. Everybody's imagination goes wild, and I'm, I'm worried about the industry. Like. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And, and that's been happening a lot. Is that kind of like, pa not panic, but just you know, uncertainty and 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 people making decisions based upon things that they imagine might happen, right? Yeah, but I think that's a good thing, Greg. Right? But ba basing decisions on on facts you don't have yet, I don't think so. I I I think that's the whole essence of prepping. Hmm. And I think, so in other words, like there's, so, so let, let me rephrase. Okay. I agree with you. Like you shouldn't go and start making decisions based on things that haven't happened yet. Like you shouldn't dramatically alter your life or your business, or your company based on stuff that hasn't happened yet. But I do think it's smart to do some things again, just like prepping, right? Like, okay. There, there hasn't been a major power outage in Southern California, right? It could happen. So, I'm not saying you should go and like move out of your house or you know build your own generator. Maybe that's going too far, right? But to say, you know what, we should have some extra water, you know, like I'm just saying prepping. I I think one of my concerns, and I wrote about this, is I don't feel that the local associations, the MLS leadership, I don't believe most of them have even thought about this. I think the bigger, like better operated MLSs, you know, ones that we probably know, I know for a fact that they've been like telling their directors, telling their leadership, hey, here are some things that are happening. We just need to think about it. We don't need to do anything immediately. I'm not, they're not saying we need to immediately drop cooperation compensation or anything like that. They're just saying, here's what's happening. We need to think about it. And they have some real intelligent dialogue because let's face it, realtor leadership, they're not dumb people necessarily, right? So, okay, so if that happens, what's our thing? How much legal exposure do we have? I mean, they're having those conversations. That's smart. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they should do that. Prepping is good for sure. Yeah. I mean, they should I'm do that. About, let's, you know, just not, you know, go overboard, but. Agreed. No, I Agreed. And I think that is the right approach. Think, think of what realtor associates, brokers, agents, what everyone needs to do because of these things, exactly like prepping. Yeah. Right. And maybe like, this is a better thing because. You know, as our experience at, you know, at the Greater Las Vegas uh, yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the associations and MLS, a lot of staff are thinking about this. It's it's very clear that the, the, the agents on the streets, you know, working for a lot of these, you know, smaller brokers are not, right? So this extra time might be a little bit good. For yeah. Like I said, man, I don't... I. My concern is not the agent on the street working for small brokers. My concern are the boards of directors, like committee members. I don't think most of them know what's happening. I don't think most of them have thought through any sort of contingency plan. I don't think most of them, them are prepped. 
Right. So really, to me, this is something I've been just talking about and talking at the industry for three, four years now. Like, just get embrace a little bit of prepper mindset. Right. <clears throat> Again, that doesn't mean go overboard. It's like, you know. Hey, I'm worried about uh, the prospect of nuclear war, so I'm gonna sell everything I own and move to a bunker in Idaho. Like that's stupid. <laughs> that's, like that's panicking. That's going too far. But saying, hey, I'm worried about this, that, and the other, so I'm gonna have a little bit of additional water. Maybe have some some of those like, uh, you know, the survival foods handy. You know, maybe have some medical supplies. Like that doesn't seem like out of this world right, nuts right. type of stuff and i think that's kind of what i'm saying at least the leadership of locals should start thinking about some of these things and start prepping a little bit you know right um so that's that's obviously going that like so i guess you know in a retrospective way burnett probably is one of the most significant things that has happened right the fact that it got certified as a class action so presumably next year, one of the biggest, we're not doing predictions, but man, when Merle gets classified, <laughs> certified as class action, holy shit, <laughs> that's going to be, that's going to be another one. Um, I mean, but if we look back, you know, at 2022, I mean, I don't think there's any argument, though, that the biggest thing was just inflation and then no doubt that affected the markets and especially interest rates where the the acceleration from, you know, let's say three and a half percent to seven percent, that slope, that that change in interest rates, which is the fastest as far as a moving yep. of a rise in interest rates or any move up or down has ever happened in, in forty years. Yep, that just messed everything up, right? I mean, I was just talking with, uh, you know, Drew Meyer over, at, you know, at the Mars at the uh, at the gym. Or, yep, he took what he calls. Um, we did predictions last year, and you know, I think one of my predictions was there's going to be a, a, another shit ton of acquisitions this past year, and that all just got completely on hold because, mm -hmm. you know, as as Joe Rand had said, the all the public facing real estate you know entities, you know, th those stocks just went down, so they just made everything just you know put a freeze on everything, right? So you, you saw you know you saw some companies get some funding, but you know. Our good guys at Rent Spree, our, our sponsors did get some funding. Yep. And some others went out there. And, you know, there were some things that launched. But overall, you know, Jesus, what just a, you know, winter winter was coming and winter was here um, for, for 2022 on, on the acquisitions standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's no doubt. And it's, look, I mean, I'm no fan of the Fed, right? I, I want to get the hat that says audit the Fed or end the Fed, you know, because I'm that... I'm that I'm in that camp, but um, neutrally, just looking at it objectively, I think one of the things that this 2022 made perfectly clear uh, for anybody with eyes to see is real estate is a zero sum game, and it's driven entirely by macroeconomics, right? So you know, like you and I have had this conversation in the past where I talk about look. How hard an agent or a broker works does not increase one additional transaction. Right, that's all macro. That's all interest rates. That's money supply. That's employment. That's the Federal Reserve. That's you know, what I mean, it's the Treasury. It's it's like the bigger economic forces. How hard a broker and agent works affects what share of the the pie you what get. Share. That's a great way of right. putting it for sure. Right, but the size of the pie how big or small it is almost entirely macroeconomics. And I think we saw that a hundred percent in 2022. Yeah. And I forget right. you kind of said it was the, the four D's, you know, divorce, diamonds, diapers, and death. Right. Right. Diapers meaning, you know, you're, you have a new family member, you yeah. get a bigger house. I mean, that's yeah. always going to happen in any market, but you know, that's, that's kind of the base of the pyramid. Right. So right. as you go up there, you know, the rest of that kind of thing is really driven, like you said, by macro economics there for sure right and i think so you know this this year has been horrible um i i just think jerome powell the fed i think they're making a ginormous mistake um you know but whatever i mean if real estate is the you know one of the bigger drivers of inflation and they can't cut that down how else do you kind of i mean if you you know it's just like when you're when, when a company has to kind of 
you know, cut back. The first thing they cut back to is their biggest expense, which is employees, right? I mean, you know, if these guys are trying to cut back inflation, the first thing they got to look towards is those bigger, those bigger things. And, and the biggest thing is real estate. And when you had situations where, you know, you're getting 20 bids on something and something was going over $250,000 over asking price, plus they were going to promise to name the, the, their, their first child after the fucking seller. I mean, things are a little bit wacky, right? Yeah, but I guess it depends on your perspective, right? I'm not, I'm, I'm an Austrian, you know, I'm a Milton Friedman guy. So for me, it's not housing didn't drive inflation, right? It's the other way around. I think inflation drove housing. So I, what caused all this inflation in 2022? It's pretty fucking obvious, right? It was Donald Trump and his whatever trillion dollar bailout, you know, at COVID. And then Joe Biden followed that up. So it's both parties. It's not like, you know, it's both parties. Yeah. It's always. And this is one of the things like people want to make it like, thanks, Joe Biden. It's like, well, the first guy to do the big COVID rescue thing was, was Trump, right? So basically to me, it's not housing is some big driver of inflation. Government spending is the big driver of inflation. And government spending funded by the Fed printing money, like that's what's really caused the inflation. And then the inflation drove home prices. Like all of a sudden, all these people had money. Like, oh shit, right? I'm going to go buy a house. Right? And, that's, and then we had the work from home thing, you know, which caused the whole great reshuffling. So there was like this perfect storm. I, I get it. Um, so because of that, like the Fed's going to come out and say, we're going to raise interest rates like to the sky and just kill off housing because that's somehow going to handle inflation. No, man. What you need to do is stop buying treasury bonds so the government doesn't have any fucking money to spend. And then home prices and the rest of the economy will eventually stabilize. Now, that's my take as like an Austrian economics guy. Like, you know, if you're the Keynesians, then you think I'm crazy. You know, you think this is all about animal spirits and what we need to do is kill demand and blah, blah, blah. Like, all right, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But having said that, there's no doubt 2022 for us. To me, I, I've, been, I've started writing this phrase like we're, we're in the Jerome Powell market, right? We, we we live in Jerome Powell's world, and we're just living in it, you know. Like, and it, I think it was clear evidence that you could have the best idea, you could work your ass off, you could have the technology, this, that, and the other thing. And you should because it's going to let you take share, but the size of the pie has nothing to do with our industry. It has nothing to do with what we do, you know, day in, day out. And it was kind of a real sobering, holy shit moment, right? And it's, you know, there, there would be, you know, weird circumstances like the pandemic. I did, I do think that was a new thing that did increase the pie, but those are, you know, 100 year flood type of things that happened, right? I mean, nothing, nothing normal yeah i suppose but that's why you see the money supply do this right at the same time didn't didn't senate like today yesterday they just passed a 1.7 trillion dollar spending bill like where's that money coming from you know like it's it's gonna be one of those things so the idea that inflation is gonna be tamed because housing is you know a major contributor i'm like you got reversed Right, inflation won't get tamed until the fucking government stops spending money. When is that ever going to happen? You know, not not in my lifetime, probably. You know, it's one of those sad situations. So the implication then looks more like this going forward. And I know we're not supposed to be doing a whole lot of going forwards, right? But where I kind of see it is, I don't think I. I mean, everyone's predicting home prices to drop. But yeah, home prices are going to drop somewhat. Right. But why are home prices dropping? Because people can't afford to buy. Like you've essentially eliminated buyers, you know, like enormous chunks of buyers out of the market or you've made them unable to afford, you know, the house that they really wanted to buy. So they have to settle for whatever, some smaller, you know, uh, crappier thing. Okay, I guess. Or the rental market increases too, right? But the rental market's going to go absolutely fucking insane, right? Like, I don't I don't know how else to put it like because having a roof over your head is not an it's not optional right so it is, we'll see I mean this 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 Jerome Powell market I mean you know going back let's the interest rates being as high as they are that puts a damper on the real estate stocks which go everything that means that yeah that 
that that the leadership has to be ousted because there's got to be some sacrificial lamb in each one of those types of things. Some of those things are going to be probably delisted or stop stop yeah. going altogether. Look at Compass and look at yeah. Offer Pad. Um, that means that all the the infrastructure that supports that that organized real estate as we call it you've been seeing the massive layoffs that have been happening all over the place with zillow and costar and everything else yes yeah that means um you know that you know the ancillary businesses you know uh, obviously mortgage title all that thing kind of i mean it's just it's just the biggest you know winter walkers that that have entered into this landscape that have chilled everything no doubt going here so we we're going to get down to and like you know i'm not sure exactly how quickly the base of realtors are going to drop i mean some a lot of people are saying it's going to be just flat not that many and then they're just going to have this you know 10 15 drop towards the end of the year um but you know who knows i mean if it's just you know people got to go find real jobs in a sense maybe they're going to let that they're uh you know their uh, association and MLS membership kind of lapse or whatever. I think that's a, that's a, to me still the unknown yeah. of like how because you know one of the things and this has been screwy lately, but in times where the market has gone down in recession, NAR's membership has gone up because yeah, typically a lot of people would lose their job and like oh my brother in law makes a lot of money in real estate, I'm going to try that. But yeah, but. We've had such an up cycle for so long, I think longer than 10 years, that, you know, that now it's in the, you know, now the cycle is turned. Is that same logic going to happen if people lose their jobs in a recession coming up? Are they going to look at real estate? I think if you look at the media, I mean, they've been just talking about how the real estate market, I mean, even, you know, ridiculous stuff that you and I know are, are not true, but still the average consumer is being fed like that from the media, right? So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know that, that to me that that's that's the kind of question that I, I have in my head. All these things that you're saying are you know based upon this thing. How does it affect the number of agents you know um, going forward in next year? I know we're not talking. We don't want to talk too much about next year. Yeah, that's that's like the that's the what's the over and under on that right? And and how quickly is that decrease or increase? As I said, going to happen. I mean, I I think next year we're not going to see much of a decrease, if any. Right, because if you look at uh, the the last time the bubble popped, there's like a lag of about a year, right? And it's exactly because the way that realtor associates MLSs charge, right? They typically right. charge once a year, right? And then people pay, and they're like, "Well, I've already paid. Might as well stick around, right?" It's just that the next time those bills come due, they're like, "Yeah, I'm out. You know, I haven't done any deals this year." So we saw that about roughly a one year lag last bubble. Last time, you know, the housing market really collapsed. So I think it'll be the same. So I don't think, I'm not expecting a huge drop next year, right? Um, Year after, we might see, you know, 20, 30% drop, depending on what happens to the housing market overall. Like a lot of folks are thinking that we're going to see a 30% drop in volume next year. Right. right, and we talked about it with on our show with uh, Joe and Greg. You know, on current trends, twenty twenty two is going to come in at about four billion, four million homes sold. Right, which is like that's that's really bad. So if we see a thirty percent drop from that number next year, yeah. dude, you know what I mean? We, we might be under like three. Like, I was looking at at Ryan's Ryan Lindquist's uh, Twitter feed right before we got on here. The sack appraiser, great. Great Twitter follower. If you're into yep. this, the charts and graphs he comes up with are fantastic. But um, he was saying that I guess number of units, not pricing, but 35 percent down from last November. Yeah, I mean that's fucking crazy. Right? Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I completely in believe that in Sacramento, right? Yeah, I completely believe that. So if if we see that level of drop in numbers again, I don't think price is going to plummet 30 percent. It's more the transaction counts. Right. Then, then by the end of next year. So whenever, again, whenever like the MLS and association dues are due again, I think we see 20 to 30% of agents leave at that point. But I don't think it's going to be next year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but you know, so what, what do we think? Well, let's talk about also what, 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 what we saw this year happen though. Right. It's like, there's a lot of moves made at the end of 2021. And I'm thinking about CoStar, 
by mm-hmm. making the acquisitions mm-hmm. that they did with HomeSnap and, and Homes.com. Yep. Zillow getting out of iBuying, right? Um, and then that's leading into 2022. Then this chill comes over the market. I think, you know, we haven't really seen... We haven't really seen, you know, the fruition of the super app from Zillow yet, right? Mm. We're hearing mm. these little things, little things pop up every now and then. We haven't really seen the new homes.com. Uh, you know, we've seen some of the acquisitions like, you know, my own company, Lone Wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, but now what is the final vision of that, right? What, what's going to be there? So I think I'm wondering, I know from probably my standpoint, it probably hasn't the market hasn't really chilled the progress we're making or trying to make. It's just, it's tough. And probably that's the same thing for, for CoStar and for Zillow. Um, but I think 2023, we should see some of these, these visions of all these acquisitions materialize. Right. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So I think in this, this year it, it has been kind of a grind to get, you know, through this and everything else. But what I worry about is that with the decreed and depleted staff, and all these things that a lot of people are going to put those grander ideas they had in 2021, you know, on the wayside and just hunker down for 2023 to get done with it. And that would be a shame because I was, I'm really sure. looking forward to seeing some of the, you know, some of the changes of, you know, and then, you know, I, I left out exclusives. Exclusive was launched last year or this year. Sure. Right? So, I mean, there's a lot there on the side, right there, just, just about to be kind of bloom. Right. But, um, sure. And again, that's just another effect of, of the macro market of, of, of putting things on a, a big chill on everything. And that's, that's, a, that's a shame. So I'll agree that I think there's going to be a chill. And I think people are going to get into sort of a batten down the hatches mode come next year because of what happened this year, right? All of the, the stock market, the housing market, you know, the economic slowdown, you know, all of that. I mean, I, I agree that's going to happen. But I'm reminded of that Warren Buffett quote, you know, where he talks about like get greedy when there's blood in the streets, right? So, you know, like a little bit of a contrarian, like be fearful when everyone else is greedy and be greedy when everyone else is fearful. Right. I think there are some companies and some individuals um, who have money. They're not in a batten down the hatches mode. And I could see some of them getting really aggressive next year while everybody else is in hunker down mode. And then end up crushing because of it. And specifically, I have in mind Andy Florence. Yeah, I, I was. I'm going to say the same thing. I mean, of all the personalities I'm thinking out there in the space, there's only one person that matches that personality, right? I think Eric Wu could be that guy too. I, I listen. I, I I shudder to see what their Q4 financials are going to look like. I mean, I don't think this this billion dollar loss is. I don't know if it'll be a billion dollars just because, you know, the number, you know, the number of trends. Let, let's say it's another billion. Let, okay. Let's just say they lose another billion Q4. They're at like a dollar six this morning. So? Yesterday. I mean, you know, uh, if they fall below a dollar for a short amount of time, they could be delisted. Okay. So they're delisted. So what? What do you mean? So what? That means that that cuts them off from access to a lot of the public market's money, and then it, probably the covenants they have for all the, the debt they have could go away. You can't be an eye buyer I, without a bunch I, of I mean, money. Who knows? Uh, I don't know, but I, I do know they have, like, I can't remember, even Q3, even after the billion-dollar loss, I like mean, they had I, again, significant I, you know, capacity. I'm very bullish on them. I, 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 I like the team. I like the model, I, everything. But, I mean, I'm just... I'm just saying, I mean, it's... Uh... No, I know, Greg. What I'm saying is, I think what I saw from Eric, especially after the Q3, okay, lost a billion dollars, launched third-party uh, exclusives. And then he says, hey, Carrie, take over as... I think it's Carrie. I think that's her name. You know, he went to the CFO and was like, take over as CEO. I'm going to go run Marketplace. Yeah, makes sense. Totally. I'm saying... To, so I was just address the personality side. Like, I don't see that as somebody who's operating out of fear. I don't see that as somebody saying, you know, oh my God, we lost a billion dollars. We got to hunker down. Like I see that as a, okay, we lost a billion dollars. Like things suck. This year sucked. But hey, you know what? Next year, everybody else is going to be pausing. Everybody else can be hunkering down. We're going to get aggressive. I'm going to go drive this, you know, drive this car even faster. And he has enough money. Like, okay, you get delisted. All right, fine. I mean, it's not like he's able to get credit now anyway, even if he's listed. It's not like there's a whole bunch of banks and companies wanting to, you know, put money into open door 
anyway. He's got enough cash where he could go full, like, full step on the throttle and show, you know, everybody else, hey, third party marketplace is how is how things are going to work. And I could see him doing that. That's all I'm getting I, at. Right? I know I get that, but I mean, you know, I was listening a little bit of uh, the 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 new Data Door IO podcast, yeah. and, and yeah. Tyler. You know, Tyler's got some concerns over there, right? With of course the fact that they're not really buying that many homes, yeah, and that really turns down the the uh, the funnel. Unless they're hoping that this launch with Zillow is going to bring that's going to that's going to fuel their acquisition strategy. But um, uh, you know, he's concerned that if they if they don't implement on what their core model is, the exclusive things just dries up. Because to me, that's that's creating the inventory for exclusives, right? So. I mean, a lot of questions out there. I mean, a lot of yeah. questions. Yeah. Um, but I, but I think you're right in the fact. If I look down and, like you said, if we're looking for the double down guy, the guy that's going to be contrary and everything. I think it's Florence for sure. For sure. I, all I'm saying is, I want to put Eric Wu in that mix. You know, I would actually maybe think about putting in that mix is um, Glenn Sanford. Right. Right. I mean, he doesn't. You know, he's such a mild mannered guy. You know, so people don't think of those terms, but I, I could see him like, he's got money. He doesn't have any, I don't think they have any debt. He could look at this and go, now's the time, right? When everybody else can be slowing down, now's the time, you know, pedal to the metal, let's go for it. The other guy who I think has that type of personality potentially is Gary Keller. Right. right. I could see him saying, oh, you know, everybody's terrified, you know. That's my time. But again, you know I, mean? I could see that. Back to your, your thing of like, you know, you know, for those companies to succeed, especially in the model, Gary Keller and AXP, it's all agent, number of agent driven uh, type of model, right? So as we said, there's only little, there's only, uh, the pie isn't getting bigger, especially now. Right. So you right. want to create a company that brings in even more agents, right? In order, that's how he grows. That's how he goes right. double down. And, it's creating competition for the existing agents you have to get a smaller, to get us. Everybody's going to have a smaller bit of that pie. Um, maybe some other, I mean, I, I think you're right. Mindset wise. I just don't think they have the model, uh, unless it comes up with a different model to kind of take, to, to double down on, you know, you know what I'm going to go, I'm going to grow to a, you know, 110,000 agents next year. Or what, okay. I'm, I'm not sure what their thing is. I mean, how does that happen, and how does he make those people stick? And, okay, so you know, notoriously, those guys always have the least producing agents, the EXPs and the sure. Keller Williams, right? Sure, so. sure. So yeah, I'm just, and again, I'm not saying this is going to happen. I've already made my predictions as to what happens to Compass, but just as as a as a experimental thought experiment to just to illustrate this notion of aggression, right? If Gary Keller next next year says, "Oh, you know what? Uh, everyone's hunkering down." whatever, people are terrified, I'm going to go by Compass. Right? Something like that. And you're right. Like, mm -hmm. Keller Williams, their existing model, it's about agent head Compass. So he says, fuck it. You know, I'm just going to go spend $2 billion, right, and buy Compass. Like, to me, that would be a super aggressive move, right? Right. That if it happened, like, I'd, I'd be, I'm not predicting it's going to happen. What I'm saying is it wouldn't shock me because I feel like that's the type of aggressive, like get greedy when other people are fearful personality that I think Gary Keller has, right? right? Again, same thing with Glenn Sanford. If Glenn Sanford was like, hey, I know we're EXP, we're this low-cost virtual model, blah, 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 but boy, the timing just feels good and I've got the money, so I'm just going to go buy Compass. I'm going to go acquire all these brokers who are terrified and they're hunkering down, they're losing... Like, all this I'm just going to go acquire Offices and buildings that... Yeah, who knows, right? I'm just getting at, like, it's the... Like it's the it's the Warren Buffett thing. It's also it's also uh, one of my favorite quotes in recent years. Have you heard this? Um, good times create soft men. Soft men create bad times. Bad times create hard men. Hard men create good times. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, who are the hard men in our industry? <laughs> right. No. Well, you know, the larger point there is that, uh, and the overall arching thing, what you're saying is that you know. Anybody is, you know, you don't see true character in good times, right? You see a man's and a woman's true character in hard times. And we're, yeah. we're going to find out, you know, another, I think Warren Buffett quote is when the, when the tide leaves, you see how yeah. many people are not wearing pants, right? So we're going to find out the companies that can, that can persevere through this. 
that can either grow or stay afloat and get ready for to fight the next day. Um, for sure. That's yeah. I think next year is going to be all these kind of wild prop tech companies that we're going to do this, this and that, um, you know, are, are going to fade away. And, you know, we're going to see what these, these new lead. And that's what I worry about with some of the leadership changes they make, especially on the wall street side. Like, are they just getting good rid of good leaders that could be the ones that could bring us into through this kind of this, this, this downturn for the sake of like answering wall street that could be, you know, could have been great leaders during this kind of time. Could have been, Um, but you know, if I, I don't feel like the type of leaders that hard times call for give a shit. Right. You know, I, I think if so, one of them were, let's say, a senior vice president somewhere, and because the CEO is terrified and hunker down time, I'm going to get rid of the seat that's, you know, SVP. Like that SVP is like, fuck it. You know, I'm going to go start my own thing, you know, whatever, because they're hard men, you know. Right. And they're the type of people that hard times, you know, call for. So we'll see. But, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. Like who else? Maybe you know our listeners could tell us who they who else they see as the type of you know sort of hard men and hard women you know that are going to get aggressive and get greedy when everybody else is running for the hills. You know, right? They're probably names that we we haven't we haven't mentioned. Yeah. Um, because we know they're out there. We know like agent teams, you know, there are a bunch of team leaders who are going to get real aggressive when things are really shitty because they'll be like, now's the time. And they're going to do great. They're going to just, you know, they're just going to double their business probably, you know. And then all the ones that are running scared, terrified, like, what do I do? They're all, you know, there might be the ones who are leaving the industry come at end of uh, 23. Yeah, that you know, we'll remember see. was, uh, we had guest Ryan Castle from Cape Cod who would say, yeah. looking at the numbers, like there's, a group of 8% of agents that were kind of controlling a big portion of the, the market in his area. Yeah. And then COVID came and, um, that went, that, that went to 4%. So yeah, that power consolidated, right? Yeah. So there's, there's that kind of, uh, yeah. opportunity out there as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I can see that happening. All right. So what other retrospective, what other super important thing from 2022? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, again, you know, I thought there was, there are some based upon 2021 and 2020 with all the acquisitions, I guess I, I put myself in this camp. Um, you know, there's a lot of founders of these other companies that require that are coming off their, you know, uh, time period that they have to kind of commit to those companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what these guys do, whether they're going to stay on, whether they're going to start something new, or they're going to kind of chill out next year and take a break or what. Um, into that, I'm you know I'm firmly still going to be in the mix. Um, I'm I'm still uh, I think with where I'm at, it's a, it's a good platform still. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm interested in, in the in, I still love the industry and I think I can contribute. But um, and the other thing is I just don't have a better idea right now. So um, once I get a better idea, out, then I'll kind of kind of explore that. But I mean, I'm I'm very interested to see what the market brings and how. You know how we're gonna how we're gonna get all get through this. I look at you know talk to vendors all the time and like, you know w- what's the strategy next year to kind of get through this. So I'm that's that's a little bit. Of I, I have so many ideas. Too. I have so many ideas for you for your next next venture. <laughs> Can I tell you my latest one? Okay. The latest one is a combination of a dating site and a rental platform. Okay. So you would have to so you can go on a date. Okay. But you have to live in the same apartment like together for like, you know, a month. Okay. So you have a bad date and then you got to live with that person for a month. But so that's what I mean. So you you take a month and if there's a bad date, then one of the two of you decides to stay and pay the re- rent. You know what I mean? And then the other one leaves. Okay. You there's got to be a way to work yeah. out rentals with dating. Right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure back in the day if all the people I dated, I want them later on to know where I live. <laughs> so, no, so it's not where you live. It's you're both looking for a new apartment. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And then you meet on this platform and decide to swipe right, right? And then you go find the apartment together kind of deal. Okay. Yeah. And then depending I mean, on that would certainly go with the trend. And I'm, I'm always surprised by this of, of 
of younger people now buying homes together before they're married. I, I think it's the most insane thing I've ever I know, heard. I know. But it happens all the fucking time. I know. I know. I'm like, you're fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> well, good for you, Greg. I uh, can't wait to see what, what you end up doing next year. Oh, you know. Well, I'm here. I'm here. I'm in Lone Wolf now. So, I mean, you know, we'll see what happens. But, I mean, that's that's the, the commitment now. No, what I mean is, like, you might be one of the hard guys. You might be one of the hard men where Lone Wolf gets on this, like, super aggressive acquisition path because you're like, hey, now's the time to get greedy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I... I, I wish I had that much influence. I mean, you know, so we're owned by a private equity firm. So, sure. you know, those guys are driven by, from what I can see, giving returns back to, you know, their current investors, right? So what, as far as their long-term thinking, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't yeah. know if, that, if yeah. that's their strategy. I hope so. I mean, they've made some big moves already. So we'll see if they can make some bigger moves. We'll see. Um, let's see. For me, the other retrospective, there are two things that, you know, happened. I, I, there was no direct impact, but I think they could end up being ginormous impacts next year um, on the world, really, which means on the real estate industry and housing because we're part of the world. And the two things, one is, is you know, obviously the war. When 2022 began, I did not have Russia invade Ukraine like on my on my list of things that were possible. Do you know what I mean? It just yeah. wasn't. Uh, but it happened, and here we are, and now we're funneling hundreds of billions of dollars to Ukraine. Um, and I'm like, okay, whether you think that's a great idea, bad idea, whatever idea, the fact that it's going to have an impact on our economy, I don't think can be denied. Um, so we'll see Somebody what that ends up me, though, doing. Like, on that, and maybe you know better than I, but I, I didn't really think about it this way. Is it? Aren't they just spending that money at at at, at Northwood Brumman and Boeing and maybe McDonald Douglas? Douglas. I mean, we're just to me. It seems like here's some money so that you can buy these Patriot missiles. Here's some money that you can buy these, you know, in other things. I mean, it, it's it seems like it's like this kind of a round trip transaction in a sense, right? Sure. All, all I'm pointing out is imagine $200 billion being available to build new housing. Right. It, it's not available. So therefore, well, maybe Northrop Grumman right. executives will buy and build some new houses for themselves. But, you know, in terms of the the buyers who are now shut out the market, I don't think that's going to change a whole lot. The other thing, though, and this is one that only like weirdos in like sort of fintwit is sort of the alternative economic analysis people pay attention to, but it's something I, because I'm part of that community, so I pay a lot of attention, is maybe because of the war, because of all these things, more and more countries are selling their oil for things that are not US dollar, right? So, uh, there's uh, the recent meeting between Saudi Arabia and China, you know, where it is Saudi Arabia is now going to sell oil to China in renminbi, in yuan. There's, uh, I think it was either Nigeria or it was some African oil producing country saying they're going to sell their oil for gold. Uh, but basically, the petrodollar system is sort of starting to get attacked, right? And I'm, I watched that super carefully because so much of, as we saw in 2022, the housing, the American housing market is dependent on mortgage rates, which are dependent on bonds, which is dependent on the US dollar. So if the petrodollar system starts to be shaky, we could have a situation where like American mortgage financing might become even harder than today is what I'm getting at, right? It hasn't happened yet. But it's a development in 2022. Very few people have watched. And I'm watching like, oh, shit. Like, that could be really bad, right? Because if somebody's issuing dollar-denominated debt and nobody wants it, then then what? You know, it's like, but it's not the Fed. Like, the Fed's not buying those bonds anymore. Like, somebody's got to buy those. And the petrodollars intricately connect to that. And I, I, I'm rather concerned about how that plays out. You know, but that, that was a that, huge that, development in 2022. Yeah, that that last thought there, Rob, was probably the most Rob Hahn thought I've ever heard. Okay, what? 
petrol debt to race you to gold. Oh God, I, I have no idea. What you're about. <laughs> but that is so you right there. It's like okay, I wasn't concerned about how you know people are paying mo- you know not paying dollars for money for oil now, but now it's you know NFT trading cards and and, and gold. <laughs> And they're not the same the thing. Fucking thing. I, they're not the same no, thing. I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm chiding you a little bit. I know, but I'm just, and I, that's why I'm pointing this out. And <laughs> I, let's put it this way: in, in our industry, where where else are, is anyone going to hear about petrodollar and its connection yeah, no, to U.S. That mortgages? Is, that is exactly right? true. That is yeah. so true. Yeah. <laughs> so from that standpoint, yes, I, I accept the the chiding, the criticism. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, like like I said, since we're doing a retrospective. We hadn't seen that before. I'd never seen anything like that before. And, you know, the reason for us to be concerned is if the petrodollar system collapses, then we can't issue mortgage bonds to foreign buyers. You know, so, you know, the whatever, the the Swedish uh, pension fund or whatever, they're not going to want to buy U.S. mortgage backed securities as much as they did, you know, do now. Right, which then means rates have to go up in order to attract the type of investors to want to put money into the U.S. mortgage bonds. Damn. And we've already seen what the impact is when mortgage rates are at seven. Like, dude, if if the petrol scheme collapses, we could see mortgage bonds at fifteen, and then what? You know, it's it's one of those things. Yeah, I know. I've got. Hold on, just make yeah. a note of this to watch out. I'm telling you, watch that. <clears throat> we don't we don't want people buying oil for anything other than dollars. Okay. You know? Noted. <laughs> man, I don't know. God, we're both coughing up a storm over here. I'm telling you, man, it's 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 been a rough year. This last thing, I mean, you could have you could catch four different goddamn you know viruses, and none of them could be COVID, right? I mean, Jesus Christ! Yeah, whatever happened to COVID? COVID? It's around. It's uh, my my nephew. Was it my nephew or who? No, one of my, one of my, ki- one of the kids in my, my wife's class. Uh, cl- she teaches fifth grade. About thirty kids, and I think one of them got COVID. So it's still out there. But Jesus. Um. What else? I mean. I mean. Let's talk about that a little bit. I mean. I know okay. we're running out of time here, but you know this this post COVID, not even post really. It's just like this this pandemic haze right that we're kind of in i think i mean that that's you know what what does that mean i mean you know it's it's like this thing where i think a lot of the companies are still you know we we talked about this before are 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 people going to go back to work right and i don't think we really saw a lot of that happening this past year is next year you know, are people going to go back to work? I don't think they're going back, but I mean, there's still a lot of companies that uh, there's still a lot of media about like people, um, companies wanting, you know, people to come back to the office. Right. But I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of split on it. Right. I'm kind of split on it because on the one hand we have like Elon Musk demanding that Twitter employees yeah. report to the office. Uh, is he the only one? I don't know. I mean, I have heard uh, when when uh, the whole Koof thing first popped and people were talking about work from home, that a lot of the traditional boomer bosses were like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what is this work from home nonsense? I expect you in the office. You know, until the government came and said, no one can come to the office. Uh, so with those guys, you know, who kind of grew up in like kind of mad men era, you know, who are used to coming to the office and putting in their 16 hours a day in the office. Yeah. Would those guys, you know, go back to, you know, no, no, like none of this work from home shit, like come to the office or I think actually Andy Florence doesn't allow work from home. I'm pretty yeah, sure no, CoStar does that, not do that. We talked about that because I mean, yeah. he has to. I mean, that's, you know, it's like, you know, one of us not using a realtor or something, right? right. So this is bread and butter is, is those. Yeah. So I I could see a lot of companies f- saying to their employees, hey, if you want to keep your job, you know, come back to the office at least, you know, at least three times a week or something like that, right? I could see that. Depends, I think, on what happens to the employment environment next year, right? So there are a number of people who think we're going to see just mass layoffs, just utterly insane mass layoffs. If that happens. 
then I could see a lot of people saying, I have to go back to the office. Right. Yeah. Um, but if that doesn't happen, if we don't have, you know, 8% unemployment, you know, maybe those workers go screw it. You know, I don't, I'll take, a, I'll get a different job. Now, what's going to be tough are those laptop people who move to different states. You know, like you work for Facebook, but you're in the middle of Ohio somewhere. Right. Those people are going to have a tough time if Facebook's all of a sudden like, hey, we need everybody back to the office. Like, well, then I, sorry, I bought a home. <laughs> yeah, I bought a 20-acre farm. You know, who knows what happens. But so I think a lot of it depends on employment, like, you know, the level of employment, employment strength. All indications right now are it's not, I don't think employment is going to be super strong, no matter how much the Fed and, you know, Bureau of Labor Statistics lie to us. Um, I don't, I don't think any workers feeling like, man, I'm super confident. I could get a job tomorrow. Like, I don't get that vibe at all. Right. You know, obviously you have exceptions like the, the super high end, you know, engineers and, you know, brain surgeons like, yeah, those guys are fine. But you know, the average worker, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Right. Yeah. And I having said that, having said that, the counterpoint, though, is this, and I think we kind of talked about it in the talk with uh, Joe and Greg, is if I'm a company owner, do I really want to spend the millions, tens of millions on office space? Do you know what I mean? Like, that's the countervailing, right? Because after salary, occupancy is usually the number two biggest line item. It's the biggest expense. So if I don't have to, do I really want to do that? Yeah, it's you know, going to come down individually to each company where correct productivity correct. is correct. there. If if there is a measurable amount that they think of getting more productivity yep. out of them by being together, yep. I think they got to make that call. But that's that's going to be tough. Correct. In the technology community, it's going to be very tough to kind of measure. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. And, and that's why I think Elon is such an important figure in a way, <clears throat> because if he is able to show that Twitter employees who are now left, because he fired, what, 70% of them, 80% of them, right? Like the Twitter employees who are left, who are now coming to the office, they're way more productive than the Twitter of last year or even earlier th you know, this year. Then I think a lot of other tech people are going to look at that and go, oh shit, we're going to follow that lead. Yeah. Right. If not, though, if, if there's no measurable productivity gain, then I think all those guys will be like, screw it. Why am I paying, you know, whatever, $30 million a year for this, you know, office space, right? That doesn't even do anything for productivity. Like, I think that's an important experiment to see over the next, you know, couple quarters. So, well, I can say for us, and maybe we can start wrapping here. It's, um, it's been great. Um, I know 2022 for me and, and Rob here, um, Rob, really kind of made he he came to me and says he made a commitment like we want to record every week yeah and and you know to do that we had to hire you know a company to help us do that there was these two brothers creative that really helped us out here um and having that consistency and having you know his leader you know rob giving me that kind of like let's do this um i know has been great for us it's been great for um getting our podcast out there and um all the tweets and the texts and just people coming up to me at conferences and everything who enjoy the show and enjoy listening to us and yelling at us <laughs> i just want to i want to say I'm, I'm totally grateful for all you guys i have a great time with rob doing this uh, i love you rob i mean merry christmas to you and and i really also want to do a shout out to our sponsors this year we we got our first sponsors this year with starting out with note router nick at note router thank you so much um, obviously, you know, with, um, big Russ over at Ernest, uh, did, did everything for us and, and also sponsored a couple times. Um, and of course, you know, rent spree, which has been our last sponsor. We're looking forward to having new sponsors next year, but, um, I'm just, uh, you know, it was a big turning point for industry relations last year or you know, 2022. Mm -hmm. So thanks to all the listeners out there and everybody, um, all the lovers and haters out there. Appreciate it. That's right. And I would echo that as well. Like, it's just, and I guess if we're going to, not just us and our decision to do this every week, but, the, you know, our listeners, you know, and people are watching us on YouTube, like for them to keep doing that, you know, listening to us like Yammer on and bullshit. Like, I really, 
without them we don't have the sponsors we don't we don't have this we don't we don't bother with any of this um so you know i'm always appreciative of the audience you know for for giving us their time and their attention you know and uh yeah and and i'm always appreciative of you my friend you know because uh i you know i i do my own podcast periodic and i haven't done one for months and months and i realize a big part is i don't have you it's not no, as fun I, I the same thing talking into the microphone yeah. you know yeah whereas this like this has been one of the it's one of the times of the week i really look forward to the most so do want to say thank you and uh merry christmas to you and your family as well man all right man yeah it's, uh, all right well with that peace joy goodwill to men on earth thanks everybody and we will see you next year because i think we're we don't have a recording next next week we might run uh you know like just music videos or something i'm, I'm not entirely sold on what we're I gonna think do like to run previous popular videos <laughs> or, or podcasts we'll see that we might video. but you know once again thanks everybody and we will see you all next year <laughs>